0: All, most of the problems that you're going to run into, people in the past have run into it before, right? And it's just like, you can learn their stories, you can read their books, you can learn from their experience. And if you're actually learning, if you're actually getting wiser, then you would avoid it, not solve it after it already happened. Wisdom is prevention.
1: We got there hey guys, it's Sean, and I hope you have your seatbelts on for this episode because I have my second podcast with the force of nature, David Senra. Now, David is the creator of the Founders Podcast, where he teaches us the most important lessons from history's greatest founders and entrepreneurs. Now, this is a conversation from a recent webinar I did with David and listeners, and we explore things like extreme focus, why wisdom is prevention, and why mediocrity is always invisible until passion shows up and exposes it. So if you want an intense, fast-paced conversation with the man who's studied history's greatest founders, then enjoy this podcast with David Senra. Hey guys, it's Sean, and I put together something really special just for the listeners of this podcast. Now, after all the years studying, learning from, and getting to coach some of the world's most successful people, I've taken the 13 most impactful lessons and compiled them. And I want to send you those 13 lessons right now. And all you have to do is click the link below that says 13 lessons, and I will send you some of the most impactful lessons I've learned from people like Disney CEO Bob Iger the great basketball player, Michael Jordan, and so many more. So if you want that right now, all you have to do is click the link below that says 13 lessons. Hey guys, it's Sean. And for the last 15 years, I've been working at the intersection of elite performance, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Now as a success coach, former professional athlete, entrepreneur, and podcast host, my mission has been helping people discover their untapped potential and live their best life. Now, after being an advisor to Inc.'s fastest growing companies, interviewing billionaire business titans, and personally coaching CEOs and executives, I've put together the most impactful tools and exercise into my online personal growth course called You Unleashed. Now, if you've been looking to get access to a course that's going to help you expand your potential to help you overcome your obstacles, cultivate your passion, and create your purpose, then head to What Got You There dot com forward slash you dash unleashed. That's what got you there. dot com forward slash you dash unleashed or click the link below to check out my online personal growth course called you unleashed. Sometimes we think so logically about how we approach life, right? Like one plus one's got to equal two. You did a recent episode with an investor that I love, Sam Zell. He is one hell of a motivational guy. And I would love to hear the story of serendipity around samzell that recently happened to you
0: okay so you heard that i i had lunch with them <laughs> i did okay okay i'm about to read um there's a book so in his autobiography right which is fantastic it's called uh what is it like i can't even remember the name of the autobiography now or what episode it is uh but in the book he talks about first of all he's obsessed with business history like and studying the people that came before him so every single And that's like a consistent theme. Like I'm about to hit episode 300. So, you know, I probably studied 280 something different uh, founders or entrepreneurs and all the people that live life so remarkable that somebody wrote a book about it, you you read their biographies. It's like, oh, they read biographies. And so the crazy thing is in Sam Zell's autobiography, he talks about a bunch of people that he had studied, but he specifically recommended one book uh, by this guy named Zeckendorf. And I think the biography came out in like the, or his autobiography came out in like the 1960s. And so I wind up, uh, you want the backstory of how I came to meet Sam? I would love it. Okay, so I'll, I'll back up there in one second. So anyways, like halfway through the lunch, um, <laughs> I'm like, I brought up Zeckendorf and then, you know, he's starting to tell me stories about it. And I was like, yeah, when I read uh, your autobiography, I bought Zeckendorf's autobiography. He's like, have you read it? And I go, oh no, not yet. He goes, read it <laughs> i was like okay and so i already have the episode title when i do it i think it's gonna be like two or three from now and i was like it's like sam zell told me to read this book <laughs> um so the great thing about podcasts and specifically when you're studying like people that there's a there's a large contingent of people out there that are trying to to just fulfill their their full potential it doesn't matter if they're like business owners athletes uh, executives, investors, it really doesn't matter. It's like all the same idea and the same drive behind that, right? That's why I've done so many episodes on like uh, athletes like Kobe Bryant and, and Michael Jordan. Like Kobe Bryant just happened to pick up a basketball, but if he decided to start a company, he's like, he's going to use the same ideas and and likely uh, have similar levels of success in whatever that guy chooses to do. And so um, I just got a, like you get, you know, weird, not weird, but like you get a bunch of inbound messages all the time. And so I get this uh, this DM from an account that was just created that month, had no tweets, didn't follow anybody, no picture, and they're like, "Hey, you know, I, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. Uh, I love it. Uh, Stamzel was my mentor, has been my mentor for a few decades. Uh, I sent him the episode that you did on his autobiography. He loved it. He asked to meet you. Would you have dinner with us in Miami?" I'm like, I was like. Would I like, if this is real, Like, of course, I'll, I'll travel anywhere to, to meet Sam Zell. you kidding me? Guy sold his company for almost $40 billion. Lived this remarkable life. He's 81 years old. He's still going after it now. Um, and so I, 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 like we wind up talking and the whole time I didn't tell anybody about this. Cause it's like, there's no way this is real. Like, this is like gotta be some kind of prank. And so we get closer and then it's like, okay, it's going to happen in this day at this time in this place. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this is interesting. Um, and then the morning I'm leaving to go meet them. I tell my wife, I'm like, listen, you have, I'm sharing my location with you in case I get kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm, then I'm driving there. I'm like, okay, this is, I'm most likely going to meet them. But you know, it's probably like this lunch that Sam's having hosting. It's probably gonna be like 20 people there. And like, I'll sit down at the end of the table and like wave high, you know, that kind of thing. And no, it was me and uh, the guy that introduced us. And Sam, so me, the guy that introduced us, which is Sam Zell's mentee, we wound up talking. Uh, now we get like, we hang out and talk all the time now. Um, and we went to talk for like 20 minutes. We have the same interests, like, uh, you know, love all the same books, very into entrepreneurship and building businesses and trying to like reach our top potential. And he goes, oh, there's Sam. And I turn around and it's Sam's by himself. Like you expect this guy's like super famous, like one of the richest people in the world. And he just shows up, shakes my hand. He's like, hey, nice to meet you. And then he sits down. the first thing I say, he's like sitting across from me. Like, because I'm not down at the end table. It's like, I am two feet away from this guy, eye to eye. And I go, you're fucking Sam Zell. <laughs> he just laughed and laughed. And, laughed. <laughs> um, and there's a, something else that just happened. So me and you have been trying to schedule this. And I'm like, dude, my schedule's crazy. I've been redlining life. And so I just got back from California. I was there for like a week. Uh, like I'm still in East, uh, West coast time. And so on Monday, so something even crazy as crazy, if not crazier than the lunch of Sam's Zell just happened to me. And that's why I went to California to do it. And so it'll be on the next episode of founders. I'm not going to say what
1: it is. This is why I wanted to dive into this first, because you're incredible at deep focus, right? Like you go in your cave and you're almost hard to get in touch with. So I'm wondering you, how do you balance that extreme focus, that maniacal focus that you need as a founder, but also taking advantage of serendipity and and random opportunities, right? Like it wasn't Sam Zell who gave you a call at first. It was some guy you didn't know. So I'm wondering how do you balance that? Because I think that's something a lot of founders might struggle with. How do I stay focused here? But then how do I also explore those serendipities that could happen?
0: So this I just had this conversation. Um, I have this conversation all the time with other podcasters, but I just had this conversation um with do you know the acquired podcast with Ben Gilbert and David Rosenthal? Yeah, those guys are great. Yeah. yeah. So I was just with them. Um, they invited me out to be a uh on their podcast, and we were talking afterwards. And I so I I answer or I look at and and eventually answer almost every single inbound message. Like I have answered thousands like on like thousands upon thousands of messages from people that listen to the podcast right um and most people as their audience grows they stop doing that or they never do it to begin with and one it's nice this relates to something sam told me so uh sam did not want to write his autobiography it was very difficult for him to write his autobiography like he wanted it to be authentic and he uh, uh, he, he's also like flies all over the world at his expense to give talks and speeches and shares like you know the guy's been building businesses for six decades like when he was asking me questions i go he loves podcasts by the way he's like he was asking about like why did you start a podcast what's the business model around it like he is so he's still fully engaged 81 it was so fantastic but i told him i was like sam i was like you were building businesses and making millions decades before I was born. I need to ask you questions. Like, please. But he's, he's just relentlessly curious. And I was supposed to be like, you know, the business history person. I would try to throw up like obscure things. I'll go back to your question, by the way. Don't let me forget. But he's like, I was trying to throw up any obscure thing. Like talk about like James J. Hill or Henry Kaiser or anything. There was not one thing that I brought up. Sam's so like, oh yeah, I know that person could name his company, could tell you about them. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's how I know I'm on the right path because you don't sell your company for $40 billion and then learn all this shit. It's just like, no, he was doing that since he was like tr- in his twenties, he's still doing it. He, he's talking about the books. He reads the podcast. He listens to the people who he was talking to. He bought, the, he, he was like, Oh yeah, I just bought this company the day before, like spent hundreds of millions of dollars buying companies. Like I'm going to do deals till I die. And like, that just fired me up. I went, I got home. I told my wife, I'm like, I want that, that like to be so excited. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with Edwin Land. You know, I've I've talked about him over and over again, done, you know, I think eight, five episodes or eight episodes on him or something like that. We had five biographies on him. I think three of those biographies I've read twice, twice. Sam Zell was telling me Edwin Land stories. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. It's just like, oh man, I'm on the right path. I just need to keep doing what I'm doing forever. So I also try to take the the lessons I learned and apply them to my own life. And so Estee Lauder talked about this um kobe bryant did too but i think sa lauder in her autobiography is fantastic she just talked about like there's nothing like you you're building a business right or you're, you have a product and you're building a business an organization to serve that product that product hopefully is helping somebody else's life and she's like but you have to understand like businesses are just full of humans and humans and your customers are humans and it's like you can't undervalue the personal touch and mm-hmm. so even when she was building her business right first of all people were like her distribution uh, uh large parts of her her distribution come through like large uh department stores like if you get in like a bloomingdales uh or the neiman marcus in like dallas it's a giant store like you know you're gonna have hundreds and hundreds maybe thousands of people that show up for the product launch that's very good for you so s a Lauder would go to, to large product launches but she'd also go to one where in like corpus christi with, like 10 people there um and so she uh, she was going to all these uh these like store openings all across the country. At that time, she was riding buses and trains. And if she's sitting on a train and she sees a woman sitting across from her, she'd go up and say, hey, my name is Estee Lauder. Uh, I'm building this beauty company. I would love to give you a free makeover, right? Or like beautify you some way, like I'll fix your lipstick or whatever. And so she'd spend maybe 20 minutes just talking to the person, making them up, and then giving them free samples. She's writing the book like 40 years after this is happening. She goes, I still get letters to this day. From somebody that I gave up impromptu makeup, uh, like a makeover on a bus headed to fucking Texas, you know, 45 years ago. And my point being is like, okay, what is the lifetime value of that customer to estate lauder? She's a customer for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And how many people do that? People like, oh, you can't do that. Cause it doesn't scale bullshit. That is bullshit. Like that 20 minutes, right? She got a customer for four decades. There's no way you're gonna be you're gonna uh, you're gonna be a customer of a a business for four decades and not tell anybody else that you know that you like this person's products. That 20 minutes probably you know made her tens of maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars over her lifetime. And this only works if you're in a game that you're gonna do forever, right? It's like that long-term forever game. I think uh, my friend Patrick from Invest Like the Best, I think he calls it these forever games. Um, Or no, uh, it's like infinite infinite return infinite return on investment because you're just doing it for such a long time that it'll all come Mm -hmm. back to you. So answer your question is like, I apply that was like, uh, Sam was telling me his favorite day of the week, right? This guy's got like $10 billion, or some crazy shit like that. His favorite day of the week is Monday. I go, why is your, I thought it was like, it's like, Oh, he's excited to get back to work. That guy works seven days a week. Like he's always working. Um, but he's like, no Mondays are my favorite because that's when me and my team go over all the messages that we get from people that had read my book and changed and it changed their life or added improved improve their work or whatever. This is like, it's very good. So I read the messages because I'm very happy. Look, it's fantastic. I put a lot, a lot of my life energy into building founders. I'm fucking obsessed with it. I'm glad people get value out of it. I've had crazy stories of people literally building companies for hundreds of millions of dollars and saying explicitly, David, I give all the credit to my success to your podcast. Now, I don't obviously believe that. I'm not saying that for that purpose, but that's there. Again, that one, you never know when one idea will change your life. Sam Zell's reading Zeckendorf's autobiography, hearing that one idea, I don't remember what it was at this point. I'd have to look it up in my notes. He's like, I just applied that to my business. Like, what is the value of that idea to Sam Zell? Literally billions of dollars. Um, Charlie Munger has this great quote where he's like, Listen, I read Barron's Magazine. Uh, I made $400 million uh, from reading Barron's Magazine for 50 years. And people are like, What are you talking about, Charlie? He's like, Well, I read Barron's magazine for 50 years. I only found one idea that I could act on. <clears throat> Excuse me. One idea I can act on in the 50 years. I made $80 million on that trade at almost no risk. And then I took that $80 million and I gave it to Lee Lu, and he turned it into $400 million. That is how I made $400 million reading Barron's for 50 years. And mm-hmm. so you see the same thing with people listening to podcasts, to books. Just You have, never know the power of the idea. Uh, now, to, this is a long Winded thing to to tie back to like how do you keep the main thing the main thing? I actually came to this because like I'm still a one man band. I literally don't even have an assistant, and people think that's insane. They're like, why do you edit your own podcast? Why don't you have an assistant? Why don't you to do anything? It's like because if I ever get to the point where I need an assistant to manage my schedule, that means I have gone too far. Where all I need to do in life is wake up every day, work out for an hour so I don't die, read for a few hours a day, and then once a week sit down in front of a microphone and tell people what I've learned from, from reading every day. And if I do that forever, right. And I keep getting better at it, then I'll get whatever I need out of life, but going to dinners or having meetings or going to coffee or all this other, that, that's not the podcast. That's not reading. That's not the podcast. So I'm going to go for as long as possible without an assistant, because it's a way to say, Hey, yes, yeah, some things just get missed or I'll, yeah. I get invitations and I don't see it for three months, but that's not my main thing. Like, that's not why I'm doing it. These are like just extra benefits.
1: I would love to hear more about that internal drive because, damn, you've got a high internal drive. But also, a lot of the founders that that you've read about, it seems like they've got something inside of them that's just different. Have you found this about all of the people you've read about? Like, there's just something unique inside of them that that they just can't ignore.
0: Um, I was in Canada speaking at this uh, entrepreneur event that was put on by Andrew Wilkinson, who's the co-founder of Tiny and like a huge supporter of founders. Founders podcast, my podcast. Like he advertises on it, he tells people about it. He goes on like my first million says Founders is the best podcast. It, like he's been super helpful. And so what was interesting is he he held this event for a bunch of uh, entrepreneurs up in uh, Canadian entrepreneurs. I think there's like 80 people there. And on the panel with me was Shane Parrish from uh, Farnham Street and Knowledge Project, and Ben Wilson from How to Take Over the World. So Ben Wilson, first of all, How to Take Over the World is the best. <laughs> the, the best, uh, um, podcast title I've ever heard. <laughs> I was like, man, you knocked it out of the park when you park, when you named it. But me and Ben had dinner, uh, the night before. And i had never met him. We, people kept like at mentioning us, Hey, you guys, cause we both read biographies and we have podcasts on biographies. He's like, you guys should get together, wind up uh meeting, getting along. Like Ben's a super nice guy. And he discovered the same thing that I did. And he's just like every single person. And I, I focus mainly on like, entrepreneurs he'll read also about like charlemagne and like you know going way back and we both notice it's like the thing they all have in common is just extremely high energy mm. and so i think if you just are born like if you have a lot of energy like you have to direct it somewhere you know and some people direct it to basketball to building businesses to uh warren buffett's extremely high energy why do you know he's high energy because he can read 600 pages of annual reports a day like he just has this internal thing that he has to direct somewhere. Um, and I don't I can't think of anybody. This is also why um I think building podcasts intentionally, like I know there's other people, there's investors, there's executives, there's people that haven't figured out what they want to do in life yet, listening to founders, but I'm always hyper focused on. I'm having a one-on-one conversation with another founder sitting across from me. You just can't hear them because they don't have a microphone, right? That's why like, it's like, oh, you and I went over this. It's like that one long conversation. And I've never met an entrepreneur that isn't really into entrepreneurship. It's not like, oh yeah, like I kind of interested. It's like, no, if you weren't really interested in it, if you didn't have an intense interest, you would go, you'd get a job or you'd do something else. And so I just think it matches up perfectly where it's like, oh, every single person that I've studied on the podcast, the people I meet through the podcast, like, they just have this thing. It's like, let's fucking go. Let's get up and do it. Like we are going to, there's going to be at one point in our lives. It's like, well, we don't have that energy. Are you, are you, are you, are dead? or you like, we're eventually all going to die. And so right now it's like, I'm on this every, seven days a week, taking advantage of every opportunity and making sure I'm fully engaged. But I've always been like this.
1: Hey guys, it's Sean, and we are about to dive right back into this episode, but before we do, I wanted to take less than a minute to tell you about my online personal development course called You Unleashed. Now, over the years, I've personally coached CEOs, executives, and professional athletes, and I've interviewed over 300 of the world's most successful people on this podcast. And my course, You Unleashed, compiles the most important routines, mindsets, and skills that you need to skyrocket the success in your own life. Now, you will learn these things over 19 video lectures that I'm going to teach you in this course, and you can find out more about the course by heading to whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed, or you can click the link below. Now, that's whatgotyouthere.com forward slash you dash unleashed. Yeah, so was this energy there before you started the podcast? And if so, I'm wondering what you would recommend to, doesn't even have to be founders. If they don't have that internal energy yet, what do they do to spark that?
0: I don't know i because I, I always had this so um i was having this discussion where um I, i'm in some of these like i hate to use the word uh like creator because I, I don't consider myself a creator like i'm a podcaster like i love podcasting it's, if i make something else if i make a video or if i do anything else it's like all it all i care about is like just making more people aware of the podcast because i'm obsessed with the podcast medium so i've just always been like this uh i, I told the story uh when, when the acquired guys interviewed me or we had the conversation with the acquired guys um uh, I remember my, my dad coming to me when I was 15 years old. Right. And he's like, Hey, uh, you, you get a license, uh, in Florida at 16. I think that's probably standard almost anywhere else. And he's like, I know you're going to want a car, but like, I don't have any money for you. Like you don't have to pay rent. Um, but like you, you got to support yourself and you could start working in Florida at age 15. So What I did with this, like, I've always been high energy like this. And this is going to relate back to this creator chat where I think, uh, like, I think differently than some of the other people that like the way they think about their work because I've just been accustomed to like filling my day with productive shit forever. And I've been like this forever. And so what I did is like, okay, like I started working at a car wash and then like, I would work as much as possible. Um, and so I then would, a lot of people would have to go. So I went to public school my whole life, obviously. And a lot of people go to summer school because like they would fail and stuff. Right. And I didn't fail any classes. Like I didn't really like school, but there's no way I'm failing classes. Like, that's just nonsense. So what I did is I would go to two uh, semesters or two sessions of summer school electively. So in six weeks, you could get full credit for what would take for a whole semester. And so I would go electively go to school year round. Right. And so by my last two years of high school, I was, I could, I was, uh, I had enough credits where I could join this program called OJT, which is on the job training which instead of having six periods, you have four. Uh, You leave school earlier. So I'd get out like one o'clock or something like that. Maybe 12, I don't remember. And the last two periods, you go to work and you get credit for that. And so I was working full time. Like I'd work six hours a day after school, three days a week. So that's what, I hate to do public math, 18 hours. Then I'd work 10 hours on Saturday, 8.30 to 6.30 in the the morning, 6.30 at night. So that's what we're at, 28 hours. And then nine to five, on Sunday. So we're at 36. So I'd work 36 hours a week, right? Seven days a week. There's no fucking days off here. And uh go to school over in the summer. I did the same thing when I was in college. Like I remember um, like it was funny when people were like, this is so disorienting. People were like, hey, where are you gonna go to school? I'm like, the school I can drive to and I can so I can work to because I had to pay all my own bills, it's like so I can work during the day and then go to school at night. And I did the same thing. I'd wake up early. I take one class from like seven to eight. Then I go work nine to five. And then I take another class, like six to nine. You, and, uh, if it's like these classes where you do, instead of going like multiple times a week, you go like one, three or four hour class one week. And that's like the whole semester. And then, mm-hmm. uh, I remember like, uh, I lived in student housing and they, they randomly assign your, um, your roommate. And my roommate was like the son of like this rich farmer or rancher. Cause our, our freezer was full of like all this beef and stuff. They'd, they'd send his son, his son, And he would take like 12 credit hours twice a year and then take summers off. And I was like, I just could not wrap my fucking head around that. I'm like, so you take a summer off? Like, what do you do? So to this day, when I talk to people and like, yeah, I went to school. Like, what else did you do? Like, no, I went to college. Like, but what else? Like, and so I, uh, I would take, instead of 12 credit hours, I would take 15 credit hours and I would do it year round. So I did like 45 credit hours a year or whatever. So I don't know where this energy came from. I just always been like that. I did know that, um, this is a great line. In this book that I read about the the guy named Jim Clark. He was the first person ever uh to ever found three separate billion-dollar technology companies. And he has this great biography written by Michael Lewis called a Silicon Valley, the new new thing, a Silicon Valley Story. And he grew up in Plainview, Texas. And he has a line in that book talking about his early life. And he's like, uh, I I just grew up like surrounded in shit or something like that. I forgot the exact line. And um, I'm gonna look it up while we're talking. And uh that's just the way I felt. Like I was like, this can't be my life. This is not going to be my life. And I don't care if I have to like work till my fingers bleed. I will make sure that I'm going to succeed and I'm going to have like the life that I want. Um, I thought the world was shit and I was sitting in the middle of it is the the, the, the proper quote. Um, so yeah, that, that's it. That's where the energy comes from. Comes from. You
1: know what? You know what's standing out here is one of the consistent things I see. It's, it's funny. I actually come up with like a phrase or word that's kind of encapsulate my year that I'm going into. So for 2023, for me, it's all in just all fucking in, right? Like yeah. full go, full immersion. And what I'm seeing from you is the same thing that you saw from Estee Lauder, who you brought up, Kobe Bryant, any of those greats. It's like, they've got the same 24 hours a day that you do, but they are maximizing that. And they're going all freaking in on that to, to the gills and they're, they're redlining it. And, yeah. and one of the things that's coming out too, though, is just your your curiosity. Like, I mean, it's just, it's just in your DNA. You are so voraciously curious. Is that one of those foundational things you have to tap into and understand your inner curiosities and what really drives you to, to really figure out how far and where you can go?
0: I think just the benefit I had, is like Jeff Bezos has this line, in which I think is just dead on, right? I'm meeting unbelievably impressive people. I'm putting onto the universe that one day Jeff Bezos is going to be one of the people I get to meet in person, just because I just finished reading his shareholder letters for the third time um i should say what episode number it is in case people want to listen to it because um it's one of my favorite podcasts i've ever done um it is episode the third one is episode 282 um he says we don't choose our passions our passions choose us and he was like dude i was interested in space and rockets when i was like 10 and five you know him and you know you listen to his valedictorian speech at uh the high school he he graduated high school here in miami and it's all about like, uh, building space infrastructure. It's like very, sounds very much like blue or what blue origins doing today, you know, 40 years later, whatever it was maybe, uh, 35 years later. And so for me, the curiosity is just, so I've just read for as long as I can remember. Uh, I read all the time. I don't feel right if I'm not reading every day, something. Um, and I've just been like this forever. So I, I've told the story a few times, but my mom passed away a few years ago for breast cancer. And she was telling me stories about my childhood, which there's no like video or just like two or three pictures of me when I was small. And so I don't have like a lot of information on that, but she's like, you would just walk into a room and there could be like something on the wall. You would just walk up and like read it compulsively. You would read the back of, um, of cereal boxes. Like you would just read whatever. And then obviously, you know, getting me in front of books as much as they could, uh, take me to bookstores. letting me just sit there and go through the books. And just That's, that's. I, I think there's actually people more curious to me because they're like curious about a wider range of things. Uh, I was just at a friend's house uh, in Silicon Valley a couple of days ago. And uh, me and uh, we were talking in his library and his wife comes in and we're talking about a bunch of stuff. And she's like, tell me the podcast is too And she's like, Oh, do you know this thing? And this thing, and it's like this show or this show. And I said, no to like everything. And finally, uh, his name's Sam. He goes, he's a very, he's like very narrowly focused, <laughs> because <laughs> i don't know anything about pop culture i don't know what's going on i didn't know it was the oscars i didn't know any of this stuff and so uh reading is like is i just think i'm i i like to i would i wouldn't even say that i'm not curious it's just like i just know what i like to do and once i find like i like to do i do it compulsively and do it over and over again but if you would ask me about a, a, a like i just feel there's there's people that have way more sense of what's going on in the world as opposed to me, just like, hey, I'm really into this thing, so I'm just going to do this thing over and over again.
1: You were talking about just like, you've got to read every single day. One of the things I'd love to know is is all the people you've read, what do their daily reps look like, right? Like Kobe, it's easy to see. He's at the free throw line. He's working on his threes, things like that. What is the knowledge worker? What do their reps look like? What are the great founders doing to skill up?
0: You know, I think there's very little um, separation between their, themselves and their work like there's actually a line in uh, Anthony Bourdain's, uh, there was a biography written about him after he passed away, sadly. And it's called uh, Bourdain, the Definitive Oral Biography. And there's a line about him that I think applies to me for sure. And it applies to a lot of the people I study. It's like the the line separating him and his show was very thin, if not non-existent or something like that, right? Um, And so that's the way I would think about it where it's like, their entire day is just dedicated to like what they happen to be obsessed about. Yes. They still, in some cases they'll take care of their health. They'll, you know, they'll spend time with their friends or their family or have fun, but I don't think it's like a, a schedule thing. It's like, what is the most important thing I should be working on? What is going to get me closer to what I'm trying to do? And in many cases, what I think the important thing to point out is like, in many cases, it's not money. The weird thing I see from like the modern day entrepreneurs. Now there's like this entrepreneurship industry is they lead with shit. Like, I want to build a billion dollar company or I want to make a hundred million dollars. And it's just like, okay, that's nice. But like none of the people like you're gonna read about, they said, like, what are they doing for the customer? Steve Jobs, like, I want to make insanely great products. He said that when he was 20, he said it right before he died. He's like, and if he makes insanely great products and they're new and they're differentiated and they add value to other people's lives, people will open up their wallets and then you can, as long as you take care of your expenses, like you'll build a successful business that way. Um so I think it's like they have this idea that they want to do Jeff Bezos I want to build the everything store I'll start out with books you know Jeff Bezos when he was in his early 30s he was working in a, a hedge fund called DE Shaw in Manhattan He's already wildly successful before Amazon and that was the code name of Amazon inside because they were researching uh businesses that they could use this new technology called the internet to build and they had this idea of code name everything store So it's like so what is his day when he wakes up whatever is going to get him closer to what he's trying to do you know in his case building everything store and then all these businesses that that he could not possibly predicted that that come out of that you know um so I would focus I wouldn't focus on like I'm not into you know as people are like oh you should wake up and like stretch and meditate and like jump in cold water it's just like wake up and like what do you want to accomplish in the world and figure out how you get there closer today and then do the same thing tomorrow and then I'm also trying to balance like my health like I wake up I work out, I read, you know, then I usually have lunch with my wife and my son because my daughter's age at school. Like, then I'll go back and do my, like, I'll reread past highlights. I'll do social media, I'll do anything else that gets more people aware of founders. And I'll just do that over and over and over again.
1: David, how long have you had this level of clarity? I'm asking you because I, you know, I coach and work with a lot of executives and they can be 10, 15 years older than you. And they don't have this level of clarity. Around what they're going after, what's important, and just be fucking maniacally focused on that. So I'm just wondering, have you always had that level of clarity? No, I think
0: read the read, no, for sure. Cause I was like, I think, in my opinion, um, because you talk to enough founders, a large part of our life is like searching for what our life's work is going to be, right? And in almost all cases, that means you have to start multiple companies because you just don't know what it is. You don't know like where you have the perfect match for who you are and what you want to do. And so just stumbling upon founders, which we talked about last time I was on your show. It's like, I didn't think this was going to be my full time thing. I was just like, I was into podcasts, I was into history, I was into entrepreneurship, I was into reading. Let me try to combine these things. Then you upload a couple of things and you're like, oh, wait, people are listening. Oh, wait, they're like really into this. This is kind of weird. Like, oh, shit, I really like it. Maybe I should do this forever. But a lot of that um, focus is just, they're all like that. That's the advice they'd give you. Bill Gates' dad was, um, talking to a group inside the group was Warren Buffett and Bill Gates Jr or Bill Gates so his son so you know all these successful people just two of them happen to be a young a young Bill Gates and a slightly younger but still old Warren Buffett cuz you know he's like 20 years older than Bill Gates um and they're like what do you what do you um like what what do you credit your successful with and they both both Bill and Warren had the same one word answer focus And that is something where like every single of, of the people I've read biographies on, they were just unbelievably focused their level of focus. If you could compare their level of focus to like the average person's level of focus is like, they're different species. These are not even the same people. And this is what I noticed where I keep my nose in these books every day. And I'm just having one sided conversations with these unbelievably focused people. I pop up and they look at like Twitter, look at, uh, just what everybody else is doing in the world It's like, these people in the books are unbelievably focused. These people everywhere else aren't focused at all. And so it's easy. It's like who do I want to be like? I don't want to be like them. Like I'm not them. That's these are not my peers. Um and so Edwin land has this great this great quote uh where he says my whole life let me um I'm going to look. So when I'm searching, this is also something that I think is valuable for people to know. is I have like 20,000 I don't even know how many over 20,000 highlights in Readwise. Um and so like people think oh you have a good memory. No, I have everything that I read uh like t- like organized and um and like tagged and so like if uh this is this is a great quote that I wasn't even looking for it says among all the components of edwin land's intellectual arsenal the chief one seems to be simple concentration so that wasn't even the one i was looking for um but what i'll do is like if, if you say something or if something comes up in the books uh where like it just makes me think of something i could put in like i'm searching for a specific quote or i'm searching for um or I'm searching for like, oh, let's see what war, if anybody talked about. Like, what do they do in highly inflationary times? Like, this is something I was searching for recently. Like, what do you do when interest rates change? Like, you can just find all these other things that you you had read maybe two, five, two or five years ago, and it just pulls up. Um, it yeah, they just pull up. And then like right now, I'm looking for. So I can't find the quote, and it's like I know he says something about intense. I know he says, and so i like searching all these things, and it pulls up. In this case no one can see this but it's like one two three four five six seven like 15 different books that all have quotes using the word intense or intensity
1: um well i think you're, you're bringing up something really important this is one of the things i do as well it's like you're not only reading these books you're distilling down the key points but then ones that you can go back to again and again so you can really embed them in your brain in how you active actively live in this world and i see a major disconnect there you'll hear people read a ton of books and they might remember one or two themes and then kind of move on and forget that theme. It's like, have a way to synthesize that, to categorize that, and then go yeah. back to it again and again.
0: It's useless if you're not going back to it. Repetition yeah. is
1: the mother of learning. That's not, a, that, that's an old,
0: very old idea. Like you have to, repetition is the mother of learning. You have to, you have to go back. And this is why, um, so people were like, oh, you know, uh, it's kind of weird that you reread books. And I thought, okay, well, I've read some books two or three times. I had a friend that was in town. He was having dinner with Peter Teal. And he told me a story that Peter told him at dinner. He's like, oh yeah, I was reading this book for the seventh time. And I noticed something and I'm like, oh, I thought I was doing something special by reading something two or three times. That dude has some alien mind, right? He's like a very, whether people like him or not, like he's got a very, he's obviously very intelligent. And that guy's reading a book seven times. I was like, I'm going to take this to another level. I found the quote I was looking for. My whole life has been spent trying to teach this. About the importance of focus. My whole life has been spent trying to teach people that intense concentration for hour after hour can bring out in people resources they didn't know they had. And that, I think, is just a superpower. And it's a superpower that no one's going to use. And all it is, is just like saying, I'm going to focus on this at the expense of everything else.
1: David, was there a superpower of yours that didn't come out till the last year or two that you weren't even aware of six, seven years ago?
0: I don't think I have any superpowers yet. Like I know where I'm,
1: you know, you know where I'm going
0: though. Yeah. Yeah. I think eventually like over time, if I keep doing it, they'll turn into superpowers. Like I think focus, intense reading, note-taking, being able to distill things, synthesize. People say like the, what they like the most about the podcast is uh, the, like the way I can try to link all these ideas through, you know, different times and different industries. And that really is to me the main point of the podcast. I didn't do that intentionally, but I had, i Uh, There's this great YouTube channel that I like, and this is not an insult to this guy. It's called biographics. They're like 20, 30 minute, um, little like summaries of people's biographies. Right. And I watch a bunch of them and I'm like, dude, you've done like hundreds of these. Why are you not comparing like what Napoleon was doing with Charlemagne or Julius Caesar's? It's like, this is so obvious across all domains. Um, and so that's the way, like my approach to the podcast too was that podcasting is not a thing; it's a medium, and you could be whatever you want. It's just a way to have uh, on-demand audio accessible all over the world at the same time, right? It's yeah. the printing press for spoken word. So for me, it's just like I have to use, I have to separate these things in episodes. But it's just one big conversation. It's it's going to be one big conversation we're going to have through our entire lives, hopefully, uh, on history's greatest founders. That's it. So it's like not different to me. If I, I'm working on episode two ninety what, I am I'm on 296 this week, 290. I just did uh two, yeah, 295. And that's just, okay, 295. That's the 295th update in this conversation. And then, you know, a year from now, we'll have the 340th update to this conversation, but it's all just
1: one big conversation. Yeah. I love how you approach that. It's one continual conversation. Any of the attendees keep shooting over questions. I'll bring up some of those listener questions in a minute. So if you guys have any pop in the Q&A, even one of the things I want to hit on is a phrase that was in a recent podcast of yours that I love. And that's wisdom is prevention. And I would love for you just to expand on this idea. Cause I think this is a huge one.
0: Um, that's Charlie Munger is legitimately maybe like, he's the, the most important person that's alive right now to me. Right. Um, and what's shocking about, you know, you have now, they say he's 99 Warren's 93. And you have like their documented words in writing going back like six decades. And what's amazing to me is how many times they repeat the fact that they spend an enormous amount of time studying from history, learning from history. Uh, Charlie says that learning from history is a form of leverage, which I think is a really like wise thing to say. And how many times they say, don't worry, we know that. Most people aren't ever going to do this. Like they're incapable of doing that. And what that realized, what I realized that is like learning is not just memorizing information. Learning is changing your behavior. So their point is like you're reading about history books, and then you're still community. You're you're not learning from the mistakes because then you commit an easily avoidable mistake. And so that's where I think Charlie hit on so beautifully, where it's like wisdom is prevention. All most of the problems that you're going to run into, people in the past have run into it before, right? And it's just like. You can learn their stories. You can read their books. You can learn from their experience. And if you're actually learning, if you're actually getting wiser, then you would avoid it, not solve it after it already happened. Wisdom is prevention.
1: One of the the themes that have come up a lot in your podcast, I think you've done close to it, a dozen on Steve Jobs. And we we had a listener uh, send one about Steve Jobs. And they're wondering, have you learned anything of the, the presentation secrets of Steve Jobs that you plan to implement with founders, right? Like he was a master craftsman marketer. So anything you plan to implement here? Yeah, that's funny. Um,
0: there's a, a friend of mine who I met through the podcast. He's uh, got this really successful company and they're raising more com- uh, money right now to expand on it. And one of his um, investors said, hey, read this book, it's really good. And like, it'll help you uh, like, cause you're giving presentations to investors, right? And he had sent it to me And I started reading it. It's called like the presentation secrets of Steve jobs. (laughs) That's the title of the book.
1: Um, The the, the listener submitted that. Yeah. Specific. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the thing, the, the main thing there, I mean, there's other things other than like Steve is also, there's some things that are, I don't think can be improved. Like Steve is from everybody that knew him since he was a young kid to when he was about to die. He's like unbelievably charismatic. Like, scary charismatic, like oh my God, cult leader, I will do whatever you want me to do, charismatic, right? That I don't know if you can teach that, right? But the biggest thing that that I've learned about Steve Jobs presentation style is how much practice that he did. It's Mm -hmm. reps and reps and reps and reps and reps and reps. Just like like if you read Warren Buffett's shareholder letters, right? You're like, dang, this is like there's such wise information trans like transferred to the reader that you're learning so much from them it's so simple. Like he takes out a complex uh, pr- topic, breaks it down with simple writing and a simple story. So it goes right into your brain. And then you realize, Oh, they work on these letters seven months, eight months a year. This isn't like he sat down it's like, Oh, I got a shareholder letter due next week. Let me sit down and pop it out. It's like, no, I've been working on it over and over and over again. That's everything in life. Uh, me and the acquired guys were talking about, uh, we, we, we all love Stan Walton and everybody brings up the same point that like Oh, Sam Walton didn't serve Walmart too. He's like 43 or 44. Yeah, but he's working in retail for 25 years, man. He wasn't just sitting on his ass. He was learning. He was putting in the reps and like, oh, I tried that. That didn't work. Okay, so I'll avoid that. And i try another experiment. That didn't work. And then that is where, culmination is where he winds up st- ha- stumbling on the idea. It's like, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of business in these small rural towns where all the retailers are avoided because they're all uh, sequestered together in these giant uh, cities. My hypothesis is that these people in the small town want to save money just like everybody else, and they'll probably willing to drive far to do so. And then he realized, oh, they are willing to do so. And there's way more business in these small towns than anybody else could have possibly imagined.
1: This makes me think about uh, this week, I released a, a podcast episode with Kyle Kowalski. He's the founder of slow.co. Awesome website, a huge aggregation of knowledge. He was saying, we get this backwards a lot of times. We We always look for quality first. And he's saying, Quality is a byproduct of quantity. You've got to put in the reps, just like you said, Steve Jobs is practicing relentlessly. So when he shows up to present, he is spot on and he is absolutely nailing it. Um, Another question I would love to bring up for you, David, one of the listeners just submitted this, and this is awesome. I'm a father as well. How do you manage your time between founders and being able to go all in and build a successful business while also navigating the, the family life, wife, kids, things like that? How do you manage that?
0: So I have an unfair advantage because I have a one-person business, and my one-person business is inherently scalable. So if I, I'm great to question say- though,
1: that's right. hyper intentional. You're designing yes. the business to lead the life you want to live.
0: Yeah, I am introverted. Uh, I don't ever have a problem in my life where I'm like, you know, what would be great? What would solve this problem? A bunch of more people. Like that just <laughs> doesn't happen, right? And you're not going to find many people that read that much that are like super extroverts. I like being with people. One of my my favorite things to do is like have small dinners with founders right like if i'm not spending time i, I use the dort blueprint it's like you take care of your health find work that's that uh, can make you wealthy but also it's like intellectually stimulating something you're intentionally interested in be a good dad be a good husband um and then have fun my part of having fun is like just having dinners with and long conversations dinners coffees whatever with people that you know found other founders i talk to a ton of them and like i meet really smart and interesting people and then you can spend two or three hours with two people and like you 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 just come home fired up you know so um all this was intentional uh, uh other than like i knew i wanted to and i just knew that the scale and the size like you could have a small but mighty team um that's a line i stole from i become friends with uh the the human lab uh podcast guys and they have the one of the biggest podcasts in the world and there's a team of four and they're not adding to anybody else right and they you know, millions of people listen to every episode. Um, and so they're like, small but mighty team. I was like, oh, that's a great line. I'm stealing that one. Um, and so I've seen this where, like, I, I just found out about, you know, I've, I've seen people that have been able to build really successful businesses with not a lot of people, but using technology. Uh, the Almanac Naval Ravikant, written by, my, written by my friend Eric Jorgensen. I think it's episode one eighty one. That's, if you want to know more about that, Like, I'm just essentially running a blueprint that's in that book that Naval Ravikant talks about, right? Um, somebody just told me about this individual game developer who wrote, who created stardew Valley. He's made, he's one person business. He's made over $300 million from that game. So there's no limit like this, this trend is not going to reverse. It's not going to be like, Oh, like, you know, now it's going the other way. Like technology is going to slow down or like, now we need to add more people. You see this with like chat GPT and all this other crazy stuff that's happening. Mm-hmm. And so to answer your question, it's like right before this, um, I was, reading my son a story and i was playing with him and you know like i essentially like i can design my schedule however because i don't it's not like i work nine to five it's like if i'm up i'm going to be working on founders and in in interspersed between all that i'll take a break to have lunch with my wife take my son to the park go watch my daughter's volleyball game but i work seven days a week and like uh, my daughter has another volleyball uh, tournament this weekend there's like these huge gaps in between it. So like what will happen is I'll watch your game and then there might be like two hours for the next game. So I'll go read for a little bit. Like I, I'll pull on my phone and I'll start answering messages from listeners or I'll reread highlights. It's like that's, there's no separation between me and founders. It is me. That's why I get these weird things are like, hey, I love your podcast, but can you do it this way? It's like, I'm not putting on a fucking show here, guys. Like this is me. If you meet me in person, you're like, oh, there's so many founders of me. We're like, dude, at the end of the dinner, like this is like a three hour Version. This is like a three. Having dinner with you is like having a three-hour episode of Founders. It's the same thing. So I can't do it the way you want to do it because you're saying be who you're not. Um. And so that's it. I just I I don't have a way. Jeff ba- Jeff Bezos says like he doesn't believe in work life balance. He believes in work life harmony. And that's the way mm-hmm. I have my. It's like my life is. And sometimes I'm an obsessive person. Just happened a few weeks ago, and you know my wife has known me for an extremely long time. I was like this when I was younger. I met her when we were in college, and she just said. Uh, Four words to me. She's like, come back to me. Like She knew I was here, but I'm not actually paying attention to what we're doing. My mind's wandering. I'm like super focused and, and motivated. I've never been more motivated in my entire life. And I'm like, all right, fair enough. Like, you're right. I wasn't even paying attention. Like, I need to be intentional about this too. So I'm going to make those mistakes because driven people are like, if you're driven, you know, you already know what I'm talking about. Like you're, it's going to be hard to pull you back. It's most people have a problem with like wanting to work. But entrepreneurs, is like their problem, is like not wanting to work, not fucking up other parts of their life because of this, and that's what I'm worried about. Because I could see in like another life, like I wouldn't. I could see if I wasn't married, didn't have kids. I that's this is all I would do. <laughs> like I know for sure. I know for sure. But I've made these these commitment, and I'm not going to be a bad dad. There's just no fucking way I'm going to let that happen. Um, and you can't be a good dad without time. Like you can't yeah. build any kind of relationship, friendship, wife kid kid parent relationship without time. So, um, so yeah, it's just, and then having people in your life, like this, I'm here to support you, but you're like 99% on work and you have kids or you, you know, so it's just trying to kind of, uh, like make sure you're, you're just constantly, like if you're pushing the limit, just pull yourself back.
1: Yeah. Mike, I'll, I'll dive in here for a second on your question it is I, I really think you should map out and think about who you want to be as a husband, spouse, father, what what does that look like for you? And and then David's point there. One of the things I I found success with also with my own life is when when I'm in my business, I'm all freaking in. But when I'm with the family, I'm all freaking in. I'm not half there. And as many times as I can go deep immersion with them, be fully present, be all in with them, that makes a huge difference as opposed to just kind of be meandering with them, kind of in, kind of out, go all freaking in right there. David, I, I got another one. This was sent. This was kind of a common theme from a, a few different people, and this ties into what you were saying ago. You were like, "This is me. This is David. This is who I am." What would you recommend to certain founders in terms of embracing their uniqueness, even if they're they're out there, um, their their idiosyncrasies, their their unique styles, when trying to raise additional capital? What did you find from founders that you've studied that have been different and out there in terms of bringing other people on board for what they're trying to create?
0: The only thing I would say is entrepreneurship is sales. So you're selling uh, your customers, you're selling your inter- internal inside your organization, your employees. And then if you have to raise outside capital, um, you know, you're selling investors. I have never raised money. I don't give a shit about like the venture capital industry. I have a lot of friends that are venture capitalists. Don't get me wrong. Like I, some of them are really, really smart. Um, the only way like, I've never been this. This is just this is more applicable to anything else. It's like I think what Steve Martin said: like be so good they can't ignore you, right? It's like your focus. I always hear like this this hack, right? Where people like want the hack. Where like, let me try to answer your question indirectly with podcasters that I talk to. They're like, everybody says the same shit. They're like, uh, I have a podcast. How do I make it bigger? And so I'll walk through with them, and it's just like, first of all, like some of them, like my show should be. I'm glad, very glad to be worth that's it, happened the last six months. But like, it needs to be 10, 20 times bigger. Like, there's, like I want millions and millions and millions of entrepreneurs all over the world listening to this because I truly believe if you listen to founders throughout your life, it will make your career and, and work better, right? Mm-hmm. And that's like, I am I have a moral obligation to do as much work as possible to make sure that founders is spread as far and wide as possible. It's very, like, I don't think I have to co- convince a lot of people, hey, you should really uh, be studying history's greatest entrepreneurs. Like, what's the chance that some dude or some woman uh built a company for 60 years and they learned nothing that's gonna be valuable to your work. The probability of that is exactly zero. Zero. It is impossible. So therefore, you should like I, I figure this like it's like your your personal curriculum should be listening to founders or your version of whatever founders podcast. You can to whatever you want, but like find or read a book. You don't have to podcasts. Should you be doing this hours and hours a week? Like you've got an extra five hours a week to study and to and to do professional research. Um, so what happens is like people, like I want to raise money or I want to do this. It's just like, first, like, do you have something that's actually valuable? Is it worth anything? And so like, I'll, they'll be like, Hey, um, give me like your suggestions on, uh, how to grow a podcast. And this, I think relates to the, 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 the thinking behind this is, I think is very similar to like founder trying to raise money. And I start with like, is your show any good? Like the first growth hack is when people listen to it, they're like, oh shit, this is good. And they stay around and then they're gonna tell other people. So first, and I've gone through this with somebody else. And I'm not, I'm going to say they're going to remain anonymous, but it's like, is your show good enough? Okay. And so we identified his show is good enough, right? And the second, the branding and the naming of your show. Like I told him, it's like, your, your content is better than your brand sucks. Like we live in the age of infinite information. They're scrolling through. They're not going to see a headline of what your show is. And be like, oh, I have to think about what this is. It should tell the best. I just said that the best title I've ever heard is how to take over the world. Uh, the, another one is my friend, Patrick O'Shaughnessy. He has invest like the best. He, Patrick is fantastic at naming things. Right. And the reason I think invest like the best is so good is one. I was listening to that show way before I knew who Patrick was. Right. And I saw it in this feed invest like the best. The, the value proposition for the listener is in the title. Like, that's way better than Founders. And Founders is a good name, you know? And that's like the best is even better. Uh, uh, Patrick also named his other show Business Breakdowns. No one's going to see Business Breakdowns and be like, oh, I wonder what this is about. They're breaking down businesses. Like, it's in the title, dude. No one's going to click on Founders and be like, oh, is this about cooking? Like, no, you know what it is. If you're a founder, you know what what a Founders is. And then if you click on Founders and then the, the description doesn't start with, hey, this is me and this is who I am, which most people, no one gives a shit who you are. They care about what you can do. This is all uh, uh, ideas. that are not unique to me. Ideas I learned from studying David Ogilvy, Albert Lasker, Claude Hopkins. These dudes knew human psychology and building advertising businesses 100 years before I was born. Uh, Ogilvie, you know, learning from those two. So he he was like, you know, 60 years or 20 years, whatever it was before. Uh, founders, what is the next title? It's the benefit to the listener. Learn from history's greatest entrepreneurs. If you're an entrepreneur, I don't think I have to sit down and be like, hey man, you should really learn from history entrepreneurs. And you know you don't have to, to, to tell them. They knew it instinctively, is because they all, if you read biographies, they all learn from history as entrepreneurs. So then they said, okay, founders, learn from history entrepreneurs. Oh, I know what the value I get. I'm gonna press play. And then is the content good enough to keep them engaged? And then from there, you worry about things like going on other shows, you know, podcasts go through podcasts. Like there's all this other stuff. You could you could do clips, you could do a million different things from there, but they all try to skip that other part. Of, is it good enough and go to okay i'm gonna do a bunch of clips or i'm gonna like advertise a show same thing it's like you built a product is it solving an actual product pro- uh is it actually solving a problem and if it's so good the investors will come to you they'll come to you like you know how hard it is to do outbound shit it's so hard and sometimes you have to like Steve um jeff bezos says that when he was raising money for amazon he took it took up 50 meetings to get to the first million dollars and the most common question was what is the internet So in that case, like you have to do, you're doing a lot, you know, but if you built a business, you have traction, like you're there's real demand there. Like they'll knock on your door, dude. I've never, ever, ever cold emailed or cold DM would a person in my life. And because the show was getting popular and it was good and it was attracting certain people. It's like, I got like inbound, like 15 acquisition or investment offers. I wasn't uh, emailing people. Hey, I want to raise some money. And I said, no to all of them. But like, that's the point. It's like, you, you're reversing it. How do you, you, what I would do if I was building a product now, I have an unfair advantage because if I ever launched a business, it's like, oh, well, I have one of the most valuable audiences. It's like, I'm going to have one of the most valuable audiences in the world. Uh, I could text a couple of people and raise whatever I want, you know, but that's only because they've gotten to know me. They see the work that I've put in. Like I did six fucking years of work first, not knocking on the door. Hey, please like let me in. I would never do that. I have a friend, Chris, who has this, uh, he has a, a podcast. His name is Chris Powers and he is uh he's an investor. He he's he's run his company for like 20 years. This is a perfect example of what I was just saying. And he syndicates uh he's he, essentially like rich people give him money so he can then go and invest in industrial real estate on their behalf, right? So how venture capitalists get money from like foundations and rich people to invest in startups, he gets money from foundations and rich people to invest in uh industrial real estate, right? And Chris has been doing it forever. And what he noticed, he just did a podcast because he was interested in it. So oh, this is kind of cool. And in the past, he used to have to like do outbound where it's like, Hey, I'm Chris. This is what I do. This is like, you know, maybe you want to invest. And now what happens is through his podcast, first of all, he has this huge track record of his business of being successful. I think they've done I think he's at a billion or close to $2 billion of, um, of property under management now. Right. So he's been going for a while and he has a podcast where you can hear him explain how he thinks about his business. Like you get to know him. And so now it goes from, Hey, I'm Chris. This is, c- can you, you know, Do you want to invest some money to, hey, Chris, love your podcast. Let me drop 5 million in. Let me drop 15. That's not a fucking joke. Like that's literally what's happening. Like, let me, he did it the right way. And everybody's trying to skip these steps where it's like, okay, I put up a landing page. I have an idea. Now let me go knock on some doors. In the past environment, I'm sure. And again, I don't pay attention to venture capital industry at all. I only care about founders. That's all I care about. And I don't like some of the, like I, I hear some of the advice that these investors give founders. And it's just like, you're gonna to listen to him or are you going to listen to Steve Jobs. Like, that's clear to me. That dude doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Um, but in the it seems to me from an outsider, outsider perspective on that industry, it's like, oh, they were just raining down money on everybody. It was just like, here, take, 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 take money. That has since come to an end. And so you're going to have a harder time. And so, what do you do if you have a harder time? Like, get better. Be deserving of investment. They skipped that step. I was not, I'm very glad that people are listening now. I was not deserving of this audience on episode ten, or episode twenty, or episode fifty even. Now fifty is actually pretty good because it's the Mark interesting one. Forty nine, like that's like you can go back. I just did um, um, I just did uh, Ray Kroc, the guy that scaled McDonald's. This is episode two ninety three. That's the second time I read the book. Go back and listen to episode two ninety three, and then when I did that book at episode seven, I guarantee there's the, the growth right there. Seven did not, the person that was making episode seven did not deserve it. Episode 293, I'm getting a little closer to
1: deserving it. What was your internal narrative like during episode seven, episode 23, where you wouldn't have been deserving, but you were still staying on that path? I'm just, I'm generally curious what that was like for you internally.
0: This comes up over and over again. They're like, if I knew how hard it was, I would have never done it. You'll hear that a lot in these books. I thought like, oh, by episode 30, I'm gonna have a giant audience. Like, I swear to God, like I thought, I remember when I was trying to sell it was a subscription podcast and I opened up, I was like, this is the business model that I stumbled into. And I'm like, uh, I'm going to set this up and make the announcement. And I bet you next week at this time, you know, I'll probably bring in a hundred thousand dollars. Like I'll get a thousand paid subscribers at $10 a month. I think I got one.
1: See how it did like, I was so fucking off like, the next day. What, what does it look like for you though? Because so many people, one person, screw this, I'm done. You did you showed up again. So how did you navigate that?
0: I don't know. I like, I just never, I, I'm also a bad person to ask that question. Like, um, me and my daughter were watching when she was this was a couple of years ago, we were watching, uh, this cartoon. It's like, I think it's cars two or cars number three and lightning McQueen, I think is the main car character. And he you know at whatever episode or whatever version of the movie it is like he's getting closer to the end of his career and so he's like mentoring uh like he's he's starting to mentor like young car drivers and one of them was like not good at driving cars uh but wants to like do what lightning did and she goes but like how did you have like she was like it's scary to put yourself out there or something like that but like how did you like have the confidence to do so. And his his response was I wish I'd seen this more recently because I could say it as eloquent as he said, but his response was, it's like, I didn't think that way. And so when people are like, How do you have the confidence or like to do? I was like, How do you not? Like, I've never not just thought I'd figure it out. So the idea of me quitting something I want to do, like, why wouldn't I be able to figure it out? Like, why wouldn't I be able to succeed at No, I take the, no, I think it was going to take five and a half fucking years. <laughs> no. certainly not but i just believed i was like ah, like well i'll figure it out like i I don't know i I, I, so i'm not a good person unfortunately to answer that question because it's like i've just
1: always been like this let let me decouple this because i think this will be helpful for listeners just because i i I work with a lot of athletes and other people and, and we're thinking about confidence right you ask a lot of people where does confidence come from and a lot of people would say well naturally uh earned through reps i did thousands of reps the funny thing, though, is there's plenty of people who are on the world stage who's done hundreds of thousands of reps, and they still lack confidence. So there it is. It's not repetitions. So then you're on the world stage. You've done thousands of reps. You don't have the confidence. Where does it come from? Internal narrative. So some of the underlying drivers that are coming out for you around people who, who succeed in high performance is that you are optimistic about the future. So you're putting in the reps. You're optimistic about the future. Another thing, though, is you are actually taking the steps, the action steps that you've earned in the past to be able to get to that place in the future. You're not just optimistic about the future and just saying, all right, it's going to happen. You're showing up every single day you're reading. And so that's one of the things I see a lot of times with founders as well and athletes is they're putting in the reps, but they've got to remain optimistic, but they have to put in the daily actions that are going to get to that outcome in the future. So I I can just see that with you internally um, and how you navigate that. So it's just really cool to see you bring that to fruition, even during the hard times, because that's when you need that so we'll wrap up here in a few minutes. One of the, the people that there were multiple questions about and one of my all-time favorite people in the world, I was fortunate enough to get to have him on what got you there. We had to use an interpreter because he's Italian, Brunello Cuccinelli. Brunello Cuccinelli is the founder of the fashion company, Brunello Cuccinelli. And he, to me, is just a pillar of what it means to live an incredibly rich, deep, and fulfilling life based on world values. So I would love to hear you, David. What do you think and what did you learn from studying Brunello Cuccinelli?
0: What I love about him um, is the fact that he has like this inner clock, right? It's like he is very, he trusts in his own judgment where it's like everybody's fleeing the countryside because they think the opportunity is in the cities. He's going to go to reverse. He's like, no, I'm going to go and reinvest into the countryside. Um, The fact that this guy has been running his company for 45 years. You talk about buy endurance, we conquer. It's like the guy's a multi-billionaire now. He wasn't a multi-billionaire 30 years ago like wasn't that wasn't why he was trying to do it. He's just like i picked he was started getting interested in fashion he picked uh if you read uh the last shareholder letter of jeff bezos uh the jeff bezos were for amazon before he gave up the ceo role he says one of my favorite lines in there He says differentiation is survival and if you look at what cucinelli does like cucinelli started he's like i'm just going to do cashmere like i'm going to focus on cashmere now he eventually st- extends out into like menswear and all the stuff he does but like I think it was like for 20 something years he had, like one Like a hand, one focus, like that was his focus. Um, And then his unbelievable amount of like how much his reading has influenced his business building is like philosophical. Everybody tells you like when you talk to him or when you read about him, it's like this, it's like this deep, like philosophical bend on life where it's like, there is something comforting about reading history where you realize, oh, this experience that I'm going through as a human being today in 2020, whatever is not unique at all. There's been a million Davids before. There's been a million Shans before us. They all feel anxiety or they all run into troubles or there's sad times and everything else is like it just it allows you to step outside of yourself. And so, like, I felt very comforted reading Brunello's experience of being comforted by other philosophers, his deep desire to like listen to other people, to constantly read, to constantly learn. Um, and I just like this idea where he's like, I'm I I've done enough work where I can trust my own judgment. So let me now build the world that I want to see, you know, and literally revive Salomeo. And like now like owns essentially like the whole town. That's where his headquarters. Like, and he's like, this is what I like. Everybody's telling me to go to cities. I, I tried that. I, I didn't like that. I want to go back to where I was in my childhood. Mm-hmm. And now it be else. And now what happens is like, you'd be really authentic to yourself and what you believe in. And now people fly to Salomeo from all over the world. That would have never heard of Salomeo if it wasn't for Brunello. You know, it's like, I needed, this guy is so special, so unique. I need to come and see what hit, what, what it's about. And then you see, you're the one that connected him with uh, with his team with me too. So thank you very much for that. Cause they sent me this, like the most Italian gift ever. So I get a copy of his book and then their own branded version of their olive oil. I'm like, and I have a bunch of Italian friends. I'm like, "You, you Italians love olive oil, man. Um, and then a handwritten note, first class all the way through. No. All the way through, and so I'm like, oh, like this guy. I just, I loved everything about him. It's like what I'm trying to do is like I want to build my own world. I want to control like who has access to me, where I'm at. I want to make sure I'm sharing the stuff I'm learning because that's what he does too. Like how much of his life is teaching, 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 teaching. Mm-hmm. He goes around, gives these speeches. He gives writings. Like there's reporters that come and then like spend time with him, and they spread their message. It's like he's like saying, hey, it doesn't have to be business. Doesn't have to be this one way. We can leave at five thirty in the afternoon, you know. Um, I do think he has an advantage where he can sell sweaters that cost more than my first car. <laughs> so yeah. there is an element of that. <laughs> yeah. Some of us can leave at five thirty, like, right. Um, but that, that's really, it's just like, I loved everything about him. I liked that. He was, he, 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 there's this great line. So, uh, David Ogilvy became a person who of mine. I didn't know who he was before I started the podcast. Uh, you read about Warren Buffett and he keeps saying David Ogilvy's a genius. David Ogilvy's a genius. So I'm like, Whoa, I got to check out this guy. And so then I came obsessed with him, read every single book. I think I've, I think there, I think I've read every single book on or by Ogilvy there is. And he said something that was fantastic about the people who he was trying to be and the people he's trying to work with. He says, a gentleman with brains. Hmm. And that's like, again, think about it. It's like, how do you treat other people? Like try to be as nice and polite as other uh, people uh, as possible. Be really smart spend a lot of time learning, be a gentleman, like work on that, you know? And I, I kind of like raised, like my wife says I had a feral childhood, like a feral cat, you know? So I have to like, I have rough edges and I've tried to like smooth them down a bit. But when I think of uh, Cuccinelli, I'm like, that's a gentleman
1: with brains. Mm. One of the, you, you speak about singular lines or phrases or things we learn from people. Brunello learned from the Roman emperor, Adrian, which is I felt responsible for the beauty of the world. And he literally brings that into every single thing he does. Um, so he, he picked that up in one thing he read, and it can forever change your life. I, I know we're a little over time. David, we're going to wrap up with one more, okay? You read Sam Zell's biography. You end up sitting down with Sam Zell. Who is the one person whose biography you would read that you would love if you got a call tomorrow that said, hey, we're grabbing lunch in Miami next week? Who would you like that to be?
0: It happened last week, and you'll know about it on the next episode. It is on fucking believable i cannot i'm not gonna say anything like i cannot believe this happened i am so grateful and like i literally had tears in my eyes like i cannot believe this happened and it happened because i sit in a room by myself and i read obsessively and i've done it for tens of thousands of hours and i put that out onto the world and when you're trying to legitimately put something out that it's not about me it's not the david center show. i'm not saying hey guys it's like this is what i woke up today and this is what i did it's like oh this is what i learned Maybe this is interesting to you and you put it out and you have no idea who's listening. You have no idea the value it plays in their role. You just said Brunello reads this one fucking line and it changes life forever. And like then me doing this for the sake of itself, the first the the first founders was not called founders when I started it. You can still see this in the RSS feed. You could change the name of the podcast, but you can't change the, the RSS feed when you signed up with your original RSS feed, right? And it says Autotelic. That was the name of Founders when I started. It was the Autotelic podcast. That's the worst podcast name ever because no one knows what the hell Autotelic is. Autotelic means an activity done for the sake of itself. It was there the whole fucking time. At the beginning, I'm telling you, I'm going to read no matter what. If no one listens, I'm going to read anyways. And so doing this activity for the sake of itself, being really into it, putting it out there, people get value out of it. And then some of that comes back to you, which I didn't understand when I started it. That's not why I did it. I did it cuz it's autotelic. And that the like the result of what happened last week is just I'm just like okay, I'm back to work. Like I'm so thankful and I'm going to keep going because it's like I know I'm on the right path. I know it with every fucking bone in my body that I'm on the right path. I know this is valuable and I'm, I'm more motivated than any than ever.
1: I don't think there's there's a better way to end it than with that principle. David, where can everyone stay connected with you? Where else can they go further with what you're doing?
0: Uh, simple. Founders Podcast by David Center and any podcast player, follow that show. I, I've had 400 some hours out there of, of this deep study of history's greatest founders that I've done. Hopefully, I'm, not hopefully, I'm going to do it forever. Um, social media, it's out Founders Podcast. I really only really update Twitter. I need to get better on uh, TikTok. I'm at Founders Podcast everywhere, but really just the podcast player. Actually, ignore everything I said about social media. You don't need to spend more time on social media, but you should spend more time on podcasts. Just follow Founders Podcast by David Center and your
1: podcast player. Love it. David, you're amazing. You're, you're a gift to this world. Guys, also, you can head to you Uh, This will probably come out as an episode. You can find 300 of my past episodes I've done with world-class performers like David, Olympic gold medalists, Navy SEALs, billionaire investors, everything in between. But thanks again for joining us, guys. Have a good day. You guys made it to the end of another episode of What Got You There. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen all the way through. If you found value in this, the best way you can support the show is giving us a review, rating it, sharing it with your friends, and also sharing on social. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Looking forward to you guys listening to another episode.